Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer. And I'm Jake Sherman. And welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's May 5th, 2023. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, the strengths and weaknesses of Speaker Kevin McCarthy and President Joe Biden as we head to the next phase of the debt limit negotiations. Number two, what Democratic leaders are telling their supporters behind the scenes. And number three, Senator Bernie Sanders back on minimum wage increases. All right, Jake, let's get to it. TGIF, happy Cinco de Mayo. We are leading the newsletter this morning with a look uh, at an analysis of Speaker Kevin McCarthy, President Joe Biden, as they are about to sit down to the table finally uh, to, you know, kick off, I guess, in some ways, the debt limit negotiations. Yeah. um, Happy Cinco de Mayo. Happy Friday. You know, I trimmed this down because um, because Brez thought it was too long. But, you know, today is really the 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 last day of the calm before the storm. I guess we could say Monday is, too. But um, we are Next week is next Tuesday. Um, the, you could tell the urgency, Anna, in this situation by the fact that the Senate was out by like 345 yesterday and doesn't come back until Tuesday. House is on recess. They don't come back until Tuesday. Tuesday is that White House meeting. Um, they're really sweating big, it, huh? They're really, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, 345 on a Thursday and these and these dudes are are just rocking and rolling back home. You know what I mean? Or wherever they go, Pretty I guess. Incredible. Yeah, you know, it's good job. Good work if you can get it. Um, you know, so Tuesday is that White House meeting and that is going to kick off a frenzied, an absolutely frenzied um situation between um, uh, Congress and the White House. And remember, the White House doesn't want to negotiate. House Republicans do. Um, actually, let's not even say that. The, ha- the, <laughs> the White House says they don't want to negotiate. Senate Democratic leadership doesn't want to negotiate. And the, and the House Republicans say they won't lift a clean debt ceiling. Um, should we just start with, with, with Kevin McCarthy, Anna? Is that you, you want to, yeah, I mean, listen, I think he's all eyes are on him, particularly as we've seen, right. When you look at this is just, I, th- I think the reason why it's important to start with McCarthy is not only does he have a lot of the power and a lot of, you know, he's the key figure for Republicans, but he, it, it is pretty amazing to me. And I think I, I assume you, uh, as two people who've covered him, have followed his politics and his rise in the house Republican conference, just how much Democrats don't seem to understand Kevin McCarthy. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I think we could, I think we could focus on that for a second. Um, he isn't like I get I know I've gotten calls from from people trying to discern and I'm not I'm not a, an advisor so I don't give people <laughs> advice on these things I just say read punchbowl news we are very clear about what he says and what he thinks you know McCarthy is like he's not looking for a global agreement he's not like he just wants a deal like think of it this way the bill he passed limit save grow limit spending save money grow the economy. He's going to need one thing in every bucket to bring back to House Republicans. Um and that's how you should think of it. Like this it this doesn't take a genius. Like we're not talking about, you know, needing a decoder ring or having to go into Mensa to figure this out. He just wants a deal. Like he and that's his strength and his weakness. Um but he's also I would say his strength is he's he's really built up a reservoir of good support. Of good of goodwill, rather, among House and Senate Republicans. Like, he is 
I've never seen, I, 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 I don't know about never, but like, I don't think we've ever really seen or not in recent memory Republicans so united on an issue as they are behind Kevin McCarthy right now. And even more so, I think, to me, the notable thing is Senate Republicans, right? There has been just no um, appetite, I think, you know, I think Democrats were almost counting on it, right? That Senate Republicans were going to, you know, in their minds, you know, come to a more, um, you know, a, a reasonable, I guess, is the better, you know, from a Democratic perspective, I'm not saying it's reasonable, but, you know, from their perspective, that they were going to come to the table and be more willing to negotiate and cut, you know, uh, Kevin McCarthy out. And clearly that's not happening yet. We'll see if that continues. But I do think, I mean, the big question and the weakness for McCarthy is like, okay, he's he's kind of, to your point, he said broadly what he needs. He's probably not broadly going to get everything that he wants. Will House Republicans support him he's got a four seat majority that's very difficult yeah yeah um he has no room to maneuver um and like everyone's like well he's doing this to save his speakership yeah like maybe <laughs> i'm not i don't think that's why he's doing it but of course he it's his job to reflect where the house republican conference is like that's his job and and that's what he's doing here um I, i'll say the opportunities is mccarthy's flexible he's not like john boehner and paul ryan and that in in good ways and in bad ways. Um, it just like John Boehner had a standard. He needed dollar for dollar debt ceiling to to uh, uh, spending cut ratio. McCarthy isn't saying that. He's just like, yeah, I want a deal to do these three things. Um, and, and I would also say like something the White House does not appreciate in my based on my reporting is that like there are House Republicans and more than just five who are just like, yeah, like. Let's default. Let's figure out, you know, like we don't really care that much. We think that the short term pain of a default is not that big a deal compared to the massive fiscal problems this country has. So let's shift to Joe Biden, because I actually think what's interesting here and what is one of the biggest motivating factors, to your point, they aren't being ideologically hard about what it has to happen. There is this kind of portion of the conference and Republicans that, you know, aren't that worried about putting their hand to the stove and seeing what happens. But I do think the biggest strength for Biden is not, you know, he's going to come up with some tactical, you know, kind of genius position, but it's that not only Democrats, but Republicans believe that if there is a default, Republicans are going to be the ones that are blamed going yeah, into an election year. That is not something that they want. Yeah. I, I, listen, I think that that's the, uh, I, you know, McCarthy has taken pains to look reasonable here. And I think, it, you know, Republicans and Democrats have told me that they think he does look reasonable. Like Biden waiting to, till May 9th. I mean, he had no meeting from February 1st to May 9th with, with McCarthy. Um, but everyone hates Congress. Like Congress is always to blame whether it is to blame or not. Um, and, you know, I don't I don't think we've ever talked about this and just we can mention this and then move on. But, you know, one of the things that the White House keeps saying is that this bill that House Republicans passed is never going to go anywhere. It's crazy. It's irresponsible. In every negotiation, the first offer is crazy. You know what I mean? Like, especially from Republicans. If you think back to 2011 HR1, which was a huge spending cut package, it was crazy. Like it it really slashed government to to its bones. And like that you know, your first offer is always nuts. And this is 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 on the fringe of what I mean, this could never become law. So, um 
you know, I, I just think that's that like the behavior here is not terribly unusual from Republicans. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, listen, that's it was their first offer right now. I think the big question here is what are the opportunities for for Biden? Right. So they get to the table. Is there an opportunity where he says, you know, he's trying to tack to the middle, run in 24, paring back, you know, federal spending when you have a $31 trillion deficit, you know, doesn't wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing for him. Right. It, it, he wants to be a deal maker. He wants to get everybody to yes. Um, and I think that's going to be the the real question is, can he use his kind of reservoir of history of negotiating things like this? And try to find a way, some political opportunity, permitting reform or something like that, where that would help him with moderates. Yeah, I, I actually think there's an argument to be made that a deal is really good for Biden or could be really good for Biden if it's the right deal. All right, let's move on to the number two story of the morning. We've got some news this morning behind the scenes. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries holding a private call with key members of the Democratic coalition last night, urging them to keep pressing Republicans to pass a clean debt limit hike. This basically harkens back to what we were just talking about with both sides trying to cement themselves, not that they're ready to negotiate, but that they they want to stick to their positions. Yeah, um, this is a, a rare peek inside how Schumer and McCarthy, Schumer and Jeffries are, are positioning the fight to their allies on the outside. I mean, listen, let's be honest. Schumer's driving this. Schumer is, is I, I'm not saying that he's pushing Biden to do something he doesn't want to do, but Schumer believes in his heart of hearts that Kevin McCarthy will fold. <laughs> I don't, I don't share that, that view. Um, I think that, I think that's, I mean, maybe he will fold at some point, but I, I, I McCarthy and all of my conversations with people in his orbit and people close to him is that like, he feels super comfortable in his position. But Schumer said, you know, a whole bunch of hard right congressmen um, uh, have told McCarthy they're not negotiating, that it's this proposal or nothing. And that will lead to default is essentially what he said. That's not, you know, not a whole bunch. Several of, of a couple of Republicans have said that they won't be part of any final deal anyway. But listen, Democrat congressional Democrats have chosen have chosen their lot here. And that is to to try to bend, break and humiliate house republicans which has worked in the past to be clear um we'll see if this time is different all right let's find the number three story of the morning senator bernie sanders unveiling legislation to raise the federal minimum wage to 17 dollars per hour over a five-year period latest example of sanders using his help committee gavel to spotlight issues he has championed for decades even ones that don't have enough support to pass although i have long been very fascinated by this argument and this kind of uh, battle over the federal minimum wage. The last time Jake, the Senate voted on a minimum wage hike, it was for $15 per hour. Eight Democrats opposed it. That was in 21. Um, But there's a lot of shifting here. And there are even some states that are um, more red leaning that have uh, supported statewide increases in the minimum wage. Going to be interesting to see what happens and if he can bend uh, any of his fellow Democrats uh, to his to his way. Yeah. Um, so 15 didn't work. So now he's at 17. Um, <laughs> uh, we don't see much. We don't see much. We, we did a bunch of reporting on this yesterday. We don't see much leakage here or much many people switching sides. Interestingly enough, uh, Josh Hawley said he'd be in favor of a $17 minimum wage for 
large corporations. Don't think that's going to happen. But um, listen, Bernie promised to use the help committee to advance his agenda. That's what he's doing here. Um, one last thing before we let you go. We have our Canvas survey where we track uh, insiders on Capitol Hill with an anonymous uh, regular survey as well as those on K Street. But Jake, this one's right up your alley. So I'm going to just going to tee it up on this Friday. Cups is the Capitol's best dining experience. Staffers say 40% uh, to that number. What do you, what say you? Yeah, listen. So there's a few things to note here about Cups. Um, I work in the, on the house side of the Capitol. Um, now, Brez and Heather and Max and Andrew are big, like, we have a lull in the day. Let's go to Cups. I try I mean, not to drink day. coffee. Yeah, I try not to drink coffee in the afternoon. I used to be a coffee drinker in the afternoon. You might remember, and I, I oftentimes dipped into the tea selection at Cups, but when I have a lull in the day, you know, I'm much more apt to do something else, get a, a soda, which is not a great habit, but I, you know, I get a Diet Coke or a Diet Dr. Pepper, and I feel fine about that. Now, I could do that at Cups, but the time it takes to get to Cups, and I like Cups, don't get me wrong, it's just like it's a cost-benefit analysis for me that I'm not entirely comfortable with, but all that being said, um, when you're comparing Cups to other eateries in the capital, it's just, it's just, it's like a, it's a joke. I mean, you, it's a, it's much better. It's but, been around forever. It's an institution. People go get coffee there. And and by uh, the way, obviously, you'll see a lot of the Punchbowl News uh, folks there in the afternoon getting their coffee. I love a latte but, but, from Cups. It's my, but, but it's Anna, my go-to. The other, the other thing that's over, that's just before we we dwell on coffee, they do have an Asian style buffet. <laughs> they do where there's there's tons of good stuff, and I. If you go to Cups at the beginning of the lunch rush, I eat lunch around 11, between 11 and 12 most days. <laughs> but if you get to that Asian-style buffet at the beginning, like you're in for a treat. There's good broccoli. Even if you're into healthy options like I am, there's good broccoli. There's good vegetables. The one quibble I have here, and I, listen, I think the Canvas is a great survey. Um, I think it's one of our most popular features. If you are... It's amazing that Dunkin' is last on this list. I mean, Dunkin' Donuts, and I have been very, very clear about what I see as the deficiencies in Dunkin' Donuts in the capital. Antiquated technology, long lines, not great. But Dunkin' Donuts is the best coffee in the capital uh, here, and um, it's just we, we need to get people get people's mind right. Or you know what? Maybe not. Maybe we could just have Dunkin' Donuts fly below the radar and be, you know, the Cleveland Park Pard Grill of oh Capitol God. Hill. You know, I stumbled into it today by bringing this up. All right, folks. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. If you like The Daily Punch, please share it on social media. It's the best way for folks to find out about us. You can go deeper on all of these things, even the survey of the canvas and where people like to eat uh, by signing up for our free morning newsletter at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe.